make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. In the Booth, back on a Monday. Good to have you along with us as we talk sports with you. From the perspective of the booth, we talk a lot with the play-by-play guys and gals and the analysts out there. We'll do that a little bit later in today's show with James Bates, who had the back-and-forth tennis match of the football game that was here on Saturday. The Orange up 17 nearing the first half and wound up losing big time to Wake Forest in a game that featured 107 combined points and 33 first downs apiece. Big missed opportunity for the Cuse. They fall to 4-6 and six with the loss and now must need to win both at Louisville this Saturday and home against Boston College the following Saturday to make a bowl. (laughs) The idea of following up the Clemson game at all right now is the question for Syracuse, and we uh, talked at the time, set the Orange up for big things. They had two tough road games uh, at least from there, uh, played strong in those games but uh, came up short. And then as you look at the Final Four, Games of the season, you could make an argument for Syracuse winning four of them, three of them, two of them, one or zero, and uh, they still have their work cut out to get any of these uh, final four. Zach Mahoney, the starting quarterback for the Orange in Saturday's game, started out with nearly a 300-yard first half. He threw for three touchdowns in the first half. To that point, adding that to his last start, which was the Pittsburgh game last year, he had thrown for over 700 yards and eight touchdowns in a game and a half over two starts. In the second half, though, not only no touchdowns, but two critical interceptions, uh, hardly moved the ball in the second half. The Orange didn't score a touchdown and got buried as Wake Forest put up 40 in the second half alone. Back to Mahoney, who in his last two starts has been responsible for some 52 points per game worth of scoring. Not all his touchdowns necessarily in terms of uh, his passes or runs, although he personally uh, was responsible for a school record seven touchdowns in the Pittsburgh game last year and threw for the three touchdowns in this game. But also two of the worst, probably the two worst defensive performances in uh, school history. The Orange gave up more than 70 to Pitt, 64 to Wake, who was able to exploit the middle of the field through three touchdown passes to the tight end alone, ran the ball for 371 yards. Of course, some of that in garbage time with the 76-yard run by Matt Colburn late, but that counts, and uh, the Orange regressed at least for a day defensively, and that's really the question. Is it a permanent regression toward the end of the season? I don't think so necessarily. Was it one bad day? I think it was. Wake 8 of 16 on third down, really the only good third down performance against Syracuse all season. Nobody, nobody has done anything on uh, third down against the Orange uh, until Wake came to do it. Syracuse had to have known over the course of the week that it may be without its quarterback, Eric Dungy, who was banged up in the previous game. 
against Florida State. Zach Mahoney told us after the game he knew he was starting 14 minutes prior to kickoff. It doesn't phase Zach. Uh, he can sling the rock. We've talked about that. He knows the plays, and he can go out there and perform, and he did. But uh, that momentum that was uh, tremendous for the Orange in the first half as they built a 38-21 lead did not hold up, and they just couldn't get any stops. Uh, only the five points in the second half, and of course two of those on a blocked extra point that uh, wound up uh, being a PAT return for Scoop Bradshaw for two points for Syracuse. Another of the unusual plays in the game. The combined numbers in this one uh, for the two offenses are staggering as uh, they collectively went for over 1,350 yards, 66 first downs in the game, and of course over 100 points. James Bates had the call of that game along with our friend Wes Durham on uh, the uh, Raycom network or Fox network or ACC network or whatever it was, and uh, James will uh, tell us it's not RSN, I can tell you that. (laughs) There's no channel called RSN, people. I just just want everybody to know that. You're not going to flip through... Oh, today's game is on RSN. RSN, just for a quick little lesson for the people out there, stands for Regional Sports Networks. An example of a regional sports network would be Nesson, would be, I suppose, Yes, MSG, WGN, any of the Fox whatevers that are split up around the the country, Comcast in the south. You don't go to turn to RSN. Hey, I I can't find my RSA. Is that 421? RSN, not the game, not on RSN. But anyway, it was a regionally televised game. Maybe Batesy can tell us who's, who his paycheck comes from. Fox, I believe, would be the answer to that. But he can uh, enlighten us all and uh, give us his perspective on the game that got away. And it heightens the tensions on this weekend's game. The Orange go on the road where they haven't won for the year. They take on a Louisville team that has not really met expectations. The Cardinals, uh, preseason top 15, are 6-4 and four for the season, 3-4 and four in the ACC. They still have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson, who is simply sensational, and uh, the Orange are going to have their work cut out uh, going against him and to win on the road. If they do win, it's a 3.30 kickoff on Saturday. Then you come home for the Thanksgiving Saturday game in the Dome with all that you hope for for the year, making a bowl game right there on the line in front of you, taking on Boston College. And that uh, announced today as a 12-20 kickoff, 12-20 for the final start time of the regular season. It is the crossover time, as you know, football and basketball both happening. The Orange men 1-0 with their lopsided win, no trouble with Cornell on Friday night, a game that followed a script similar to the exhibition games and uh, the Orange able to uh, run away from the Big Red in the end. On uh, Tuesday night, tomorrow night, Syracuse will take on a much better team, Iona, who has made uh, the NCAA tournament for the last six years, have been in it the last two. They lost a couple of their key players from a year ago, but uh, do bring back a great deal of experience, a player that made five three-pointers in one game in the opening round of the NCAA tournament last year. Remember, Syracuse did not make the NCAA tournament. Iona did. Their uh, coach, Tim Kloos, has been a regular fixture in the postseason. So uh, this is a seasoned bunch that Syracuse will run into. And it's hard to say that. It's seasoned in as much that when you go to Iona, like you do at Syracuse, you expect to 
participate in meaningful games and to make the tournament. And that's what happens at Iona too. But Iona also has a very transient uh, program or roster. So much of the way that their team is composed is through transfer from other schools and from uh, junior colleges and, and that type of thing. So they are, uh, while in broad sense experienced in the tournament, uh, not each individual uh, necessarily is. They do return quite a bit from uh, last year's team, and we'll look forward to telling you more about that uh, tomorrow on the show before the game at uh, 7 o'clock tomorrow in the Dome. As for Coach Beheim's comments on Cornell, we won't spend a ton of time on that game, but we'll get you this before moving back and around through football on today's show. A tough game tonight. Uh, you know, you, you watch your son play his whole life, and you're always pulling for two things, that he plays well and that he his team wins. So I was only hoping for one of those tonight. But uh, the way he started out, I was a little bit worried. But uh, defensively, we did a good job. Uh, I thought uh, the, the whole 40 minutes, we were keyed in on what we had to do on defense. Uh, uh, you know, our offense is sputtering a little bit, and it will sputter. You know, we missed some shots that we can make and will make. Uh, Gino, you know, he just doesn't, can't quite get his rhythm and timing yet because of the time he missed. He needed to be at practice, but he's got the capability of being a scorer, which is something we need. Uh, But I I thought we rebounded the ball pretty well. I thought our big guys were pretty good in the middle. I thought Tyus was uh, aggressive, and uh, I think that's important. I thought uh, Frank did a really good job of getting the ball to people and making plays. So, again, our defense was solid, and you know we still have a lot of work to do on offense, and that, that, that's going to take some time. Orange head coach Jim Beheim after game number one and victory number one of this Orange basketball season, and in all the games he's coached, an historic one in as much as the second leading score for the opposition was his blood, son Jimmy Beheim had the first five points of the game for Cornell. How cool must that have been for the Beheim family? You saw it got a pretty good amount of run on Sports Center uh, overnight and through the weekend as they were splashing the highlight of that and the reaction from Julie and Julie's interview on television and uh, some cool stuff. So that's about the best outcome that Coach could have hoped for. Jimmy played well. Syracuse won. Uh, started maybe a little bit slow. There's some things to uh, work on and teach, but uh, not a stressful finish to that game and now the competition level steps up significantly as the orange have Iona in the dome on Tuesday then it's this tournament the Hoop Hall Invitational which will culminate December 2nd in Miami Syracuse and Kansas but uh, the next wave of games Texas Southern Oakland uh, Toledo all are the uh, preliminary games in that event, Texas Southern is in the Dome Saturday night at 7 o'clock. More to come for us in the booth. When we return, we'll visit with James Bates. He had the call with West Durham on the television broadcast of the Orange's loss against Wake Forest. So we'll work through some of that, the pros and cons of it, get a little snapshot from somebody who's seen the Orange a couple of times this year of where they are and how capable they are of beating the two teams that remain on the schedule this year for Orange football. And if they win two, they earn a third. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. 
Tune in every Monday as Hall of Famer Floyd Little talks SU football with Steve and Seth on Orange Nation. Brought to you by Drivers Village and William Matar. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Sunday, the Giants are home against the Chiefs. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. We are back in the booth and here until 3 o'clock today. Good to have you along with us on a gray Monday here in central New York. It's never gray where our friend James Bates is. Batesy, hello. How are you? You take the sunshine <laughs> everywhere you You're go. You're right, man. I'm actually sitting outside in the sun right now. I hope I'm far enough away so no one will, no one can hit me up there in Syracuse right now. Well, you're a but, Floridian uh, and, and you just have a sunny personality, I know, so... Uh, well, well, thank you, and thanks for having me on. I didn't realize uh, uh, that it's in the booth. I would have uh, been ready with my Toll Booth Willie jokes, old Adam Sandler tape. <laughs> remember, toll, remember Toll Booth Willie coming out of the booth? I know I should, but I don't. It, re, re, regale me with a little Toll Booth Willie, or should I go YouTube it? I'll, I'll do some <laughs> later, research. Later, later, later. I'll do You'll some research for the next time we have you on. To get it. I'm, we're big yep. Adam Sandler fans here. We're, uh, you know. Small-minded, immature jokes. We're we're pretty much into those. So, uh, hopefully, we can get our share there. Well, have you uh, straightened out your neck yet from uh, watching that tennis match on Saturday, Ooh. going back and forth from one end zone to the other? Oh, you weren't kidding! It, it sure makes for a uh, for a fun game to call. You know, especially when you don't have a a dog in the fight and. You know, it, it grew up in the in a house with a dad as a coach for a long time, and so it, it is kind of nice when there is no loser, really. I guess unless you cuss on air, and then uh, <laughs> then you really lose. But uh, fortunately, we didn't. Even though we wanted to say it was freaking awesome, like all the offense and all the scoring, and I just really the only bummer of it all the whole day was to show up and to find out that Dungey wasn't going because those those two quarterbacks. Is, you know, I, I talked to a few Syracuse fans on the plane on the way home, and just they had nothing but great things to say about John Wolford, and and I was glad to hear it, even in the uh, the losing effort, because you know just just to see that, that people can appreciate just what a competitor he is, and and Syracuse fans know what they got in their in their own guy in Dungey, and so I was hoping to see a little clash of the titans with those two quarterbacks going blow for blow, but man, Mahoney, I think it says a lot about him that he. He came out and did what he did. I mean, a guy being a senior and, uh, you know, I mean, kids are kids. And how many of them would just kind of go through the motions knowing that they're not going to play much and, and not being prepared. But he certainly showed that he has had the right mindset all year long. And I was happy for him that he had some success. But, gosh, they just had to get a couple stops, didn't they? Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, I think the, the deal with Zach Mahoney is the guy – is a Chicago kid, another one who has a smile on his face all the time, loves ball, and is supremely confident in his ability to jump in there and you know throw the rock around and, and put up points. But he's the backup for a reason, and it seems right. to me that the staying power can only be so much for a guy like that. So while his last two starts have been epic, uh, really it's a start and a half because it just didn't uh, – get prolonged for him uh, through the second half. And, and you know, your trained eye is able maybe to pick up the adjustments a little bit better. And it seemed like there were enough holes in the Syracuse defense that uh, Wake Forest time and again could 
find ways to move the football, convert first downs, and then uh, exploit the middle of the field with a tight end? Well, I, the the one thing that I would say is, you know, it, it the one thing that stands out to me when you kind of go back and armchair quarterback it and, and look at some things and say, well, how about this or how about that is, you know, if you if you're a football team that that has some true balance and 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 can flip from being a a NASCAR type offense uh, and to be one that can just kind of shut it down and just grind away, which is what we've seen Virginia do mm-hmm. a few times uh, this year. They go back to the Duke game in the fourth quarter, back to the uh, North Carolina game in the fourth quarter, where they can just completely commit to just running the football, I still really, for the most part, I don't think Wake has, has stopped Syracuse. I mean, Notre Dame ran right through them. And then when when Cuse went to the ground, they had a, a lot of great success. But, gosh, they, it's just a – I mean, that's kind of who you are as a, as a passing team and, and, and you know, passing a lot more than, than most teams. And so you kind of – I guess the whole mentality, you, you dance with who brung you, but it's, it's, it also be kind of nice to just know that in your back pocket, if the game calls for it, we're going to completely flip the script and we're just going to just, just punish these guys on the ground and we're going to eat away clock and we're going to just, we're just going to wear them down and we're going to take control of this game in a completely different way than we have all season long. Yeah, well, I think but it's easier said than it's easier said than done, though. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you have to have had some level of success somewhere in your first nine games that gives you the confidence that you can flip that switch, or that there is the switch to flip, and that has not uh, really presented itself. Syracuse did run the ball at Miami. Miami so sold out to close down uh, the Syracuse perimeter passing game that the middle of the field was open, and Dante Strickland had his best game of the year uh, running between the tackles. That wasn't really there uh, so much necessarily against Wake Forest, and the Orange uh, didn't move the ball uh, as effectively there, but they were able to go up and down the field by the bread and butter, Steve Ishmael and Irv Phillips, and after the game, in talking with Zach Mahoney, Batesy, um, I kind of said, hey, did you go to the well one too many times You know, on, on the second pick, and which was really a death blow in the game. And he felt as much right. that, you know, yeah, I, I thought in my mind I was going to throw the fastball right by the corner and, and get it there, and in, in the end didn't have enough. And uh, those two picks in the fourth quarter really kind of meant the game. Right. And, and again, that's another unfortunate ongoing theme is, is to be on the wrong end of that turnover battle, um, which no matter what kind of system you have, you you got to come out on top. you got to be a team that, that forces turnovers and, and hold on to the football offensively to, to be competitive uh, week in and week out. And, and that's just one other thing that Walford does such a good job of is he's, he's, he's reckless at times and it, it seems to be uh, like he's taking some risks. But when you get down to it, he's, he's really in control and really poised back there. And, he's only missed one game. He's thrown three picks. <laughs> he's thrown three picks for yeah. the year. You know, any team in America would sign up for what Wake Forest has, and they they've given it to the other team six times for the season in ten games. You know that that puts right. doesn't mean you're necessarily going to win, but it it uh, puts you in position to win. And certainly, uh, you're not taking a participatory role, and you're losing. Let's put it that way. When you do it that way, right, right. You're absolutely right, and you know, and, and so it's, and then you you. 
you couple in the fact that they really have, you know, Klaus and the Mets staff, they've done such a good job recruiting. Uh, you look at it, and, and they lose Dorch, who's their their world beater, and they it just kind of helps them kind of look at that offense through a different lens and, hey, we don't have our playmaker. Now we can spread it around and, and you know, go back to a couple years ago and Cam Serenay was – was kind of they would go to the well all the time with him, and for good reason. He's a really good tight end, and he popped back up. and And Colburn is a nice looking runner, so um, it, it really is different from the way they've been the last couple of years. Because the last couple of years they just hung their hats on defense, defense, and let's just get by offensively. And now it's it's different because their defense is down a little bit. James Bates is with us. Uh, had the broadcast with our friend West Durham. On uh, Saturday, the uh, Wake Forest game, the Orange are at Louisville this coming Saturday and then home against Boston College to uh, wrap uh, what they hope is just the regular season. If they can win both of these remaining games, they would earn themselves a bowl. And I guess, Batesy, the the next thing here is how likely is that? How much have you seen of Louisville? And obviously they still have Lamar Jackson. They've had certainly a rocky year by their standards what would be uh, Syracuse's prognosis going down there this week? I think it'll be more of the same of what you had this uh, this past weekend. I, I think it'll be one of those games where you absolutely have to hold serve. You have to try to find a way to force a couple turnovers um, because Lamar Jackson is, is very similar uh, uh, to Walford and what you saw with Wake Forest. I mean, he can, he can, he can do it all. And, and, um, obviously tuck it and run and he can throw it uh, with the best of them i i haven't seen them in a couple of weeks i guess um but we had them a couple times early on in the season and you know it's they're going to score their points uh lamar's going to going to have his and i just think that that defensively they they've really struggled as of late and so I think that you've got to you got to be able to answer. Hopefully, what's the word on Dungey? Do you, do you think he'll be able to go next Saturday? I, I do, yeah, but it'll it's a little mm-hmm. far off right now. I mean, I think we were all watching him warm up there the other day and kind of cringing, like this looks like a, you're thinking of a deer, right? And can a deer run his way out of the road? You know, that's what they were hoping with with Eric Dungey. Uh, as long as he can protect himself with his legs and escape the rush. Hey, we'll put him out there mm-hmm. on the field, and uh, I, I got the impression watching warmups that look, it's more likely than not that uh, Dungey gets shut down here because I don't see a guy that's moving fluidly. Forget about running for a hundred yards. I, I don't know that I see him escaping people, and and that's where uh, started to turn our attention toward it being Mahoney starting. Mahoney says he found out he was starting fourteen minutes before kickoff uh, to, to give you an idea. So, and if you remember, uh, James, they both went out on the field right in the first huddle. And Dungey almost went out as far as the numbers before throwing on the brakes and, and letting Mahoney go uh, the rest of the way. So they kept that level of deception for Wake. To hear you say it, and I think people probably enjoy watching this kind of football unless they're uh, defensive coordinators or defensive players, it almost is like a tennis match or holding serve. You know, you're know, you going to have to literally get points virtually every possession in a game like this be- because you have to keep pace offensively there's only so much I think people probably are aware that you can slow down uh, Louisville and for that matter uh, Syracuse when they're they're working at top efficiency right and and that's why it's extra important I think for 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 Dungey to play or or at, at least Mahoney to 
to put together four quarters of work like like we saw flashes of. And, and so it's good to at least know that you, you've got a guy with some experience that's, that's got it in him. He's got it in him to go out there and, and keep you in football games. And, and at one point, you know, with with those guys on the defensive side of the ball, gosh, it, it'd be great to see somebody just just rip one away and, and or intercept a ball and just all oh, it's like hitting in baseball. It just becomes contagious. It's you know what was it North Carolina last year? You know, they've got some players back there. They they didn't have an interception just about the whole season. I think it was and. You know, but one year, it, well, look at Miami as a perfect example. And, and you get that dang turnover chain there, <laughs> and it just, they start they start to believe and they start to feel it, and they all become ball hawks, and it, and it becomes contagious. And it just, if they can get a turnover early on defense, and if they can, they can start better than they have, gosh, it's a, it's a fun team, as you all know, and it's a team that they go down and they start better against Miami and start better against FSU, and they're riding high right now, you know. And, and so I just I think it's so important, uh, no matter who's in there at quarterback, to to get a fast start and to and to keep that hammer down and, and to try to steal a couple. The turnover battle will be uh, will be bigger, I think, than ever this weekend. Well, for Syracuse, uh, their version of the turnover chain is uh, some uh, massively outsized boxing gloves. The turnover gloves that they put on after uh, they get one. The problem is we haven't seen them uh, for a, a hot minute. They have been uh, buried in a box. The Orange don't have an interception since the uh, LSU game. And uh, <laughs> while they were creating turnovers early in the season, we just haven't seen that. There's been uh, one fumble recovery each of the last uh, couple of games, but uh, just not enough in that area. There was the uh, blocked extra point return for two in, in this one. So, uh, basically, we, we let our friend uh, Polly chime in for one question per show, so brace yourself. Uh, well, I can just bring this interview full circle here. Uh, Adam Sandler's Tollbooth toll Willie, he took parts of that and used it in the movie Big Daddy, who was a Syracuse University football fan and yes. always talked about the difficulties of being a Syracuse football fan in the movie Big Daddy. So, in Big Daddy, he did. He had the Syracuse shirt on. He talked about how difficult it was, and they were 0-3 at the time, so... <laughs> Nice. There you go. There you go. See, right. all comes full circle. That's all our come, pop culture. Comes back to the dome, in which, by the way, I just uh, we got our, our our last assignment, and uh, there was a, a a chance we were going to get Boston College okay. up at Syracuse for our our final game, but we didn't. And it's a bit of a bummer because that really is my favorite place that, that I've ever called games. I just love the fact that we're down on top of the action and. You don't have to fight to find numbers, and I just I, I just love being in the, in the thick of it there in the Carrier Dome. So I appreciate all you guys being so good to us, and and I appreciate Paulie jumping in with the uh, the Adam Sandler. That's nice. <laughs> He's got it. Well, now you don't have to go the rest of your day wondering uh, how did how did Adam Sandler relate to uh, Syracuse football. Basically, let's finish with this, and I don't want to put you on an uncomfortable spot, to, but you are a Gator, and just kind of curious for somebody that's as close to it as you are, how you think they go down there. Well, the the big buzz today is Chip Kelly. Um, right. that, that. The, the rumor is that, that they are they're vetting him. I, you know, I don't know how much truth there is to that. I uh, and if if that is our guy, I'll I'll get behind it. I'm I'm tired of kind of being kind of down and and uh, feeling like I'm just walking through the muck uh, with my Gators. I want I want positive energy from here on out. But if if I had my druthers. I think it would come down to if 
unless the name Bob Stoops, uh, if they can talk Stoopsy out of uh, coming back into coaching, my two guys that I would like them to look at really hard is uh, Scott Frost and Charlie Strong. And and right now, between those two, believe it or not, I just I keep going back to Strong because just more than anything, you've got to get the horses in here. You've got to get these studs, the, the Dalvin Cooks and these guys from Miami. And it's going to be hard to go down to Miami with Mark Rick doing what he's doing now and, and just go in there and just steal and go in there and, and take your pick on a few guys. And I feel like if anybody can do that, it's Charlie Strong. You know, it's, I mean, he's, I, I played for him or he was a defensive line coach when I was a player, when I was a linebacker in Florida. And, and I, uh, I think that he would, he would make sure that, that these kids that they bring in, um, that they're good young men as well. And, you know, Scott Frost the same way. But, uh, but right now, uh, Charlie Strong or, or Scott Frost, how's that? I like it. Those are two good calls. At least uh, in, in the case of Strong, though, it has to count against it a little bit that he has only been at his current stop one year. I think everybody knows he's going to go on to uh, another big-time job somewhere down the line, But and he's been successful at the one year at South Florida. Didn't work out for him at uh, – at Texas, and then Scott Frost in his second year, everybody knew when he showed up that he was a short timer for that job. So, um, te- uh, Florida certainly will attract uh, quality talent, and uh, be interesting to see how it plays out. So, we appreciate your time with us, my friend, and uh, good luck to you along your travels around the conference. We'll see you again down the road. Okay. All right. Anytime, man. Thanks a lot. Okay, that's James Bates, who uh, had the TV game on Saturday former Gator, and uh, must have played for Ron Zook, possibly the ball coach, Steve Spurrier, but I believe Ron Zook would have been the head coach when he was a a player there. And Florida will have its pick. Tennessee now officially open as well as uh, Butch Jones was shown the door. So your hope of John Gruden, (laughs) everybody wants, uh, because he's famous and he's on television, John Gruden must be the next great uh, college coach. We'll see how that uh, works out, but they wouldn't let money get in the way. I know that. and We'll see uh, just where they go because both of those places certainly have the power to attract as good as there is in terms of uh, coaching candidates. And the next round of the carousel is about to begin. More to come for us as we roll along here in the booth. We'll have Joe in here for Do We Care in a bit. Wrap up the show today with some observations from around the National Football League. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. If you believe that an athlete, a high-profile athlete, is on scholarship and therefore that's good enough, then you must think your rotary phone is good enough at home. I've got a phone and it works fine. Things advance. We have technology. I have a phone that also can connect me to the Internet and I can read emails and get text messages and all sorts of great things like subscribe on iTunes to the ESPN Syracuse page. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6, ESPN. Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Tomorrow, the Orange Face, Iona in the Loud House. Syracuse game day starts at 530. Catch SU Hoops on TK99 and ESPN AM 1200. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell is in talks about a contract extension over the summer. Goodell proposed a $49.5 million deal and use of a private jet for the rest of his life. 
The NFL's compensation committee is now considering that proposal. I'd take 48 if I got the jet. <laughs> what a deal that would be. The private plane for the rest of your life, to me, would be just one of the most unbelievable perks that somebody could possibly have. How much money do you have to make before somebody say, well, no, we're paying you all this money. If you want the private jet, you pay for the private jet. 22 mil. <laughs> but it, it's a, just a, it's so silly. It's a stupefying amount of money. I don't know how you could possibly uh, wrap your mind around it. My understanding, didn't he deny or the league deny that his request was for the uh, – because I guess he also asked for health care for his family for the rest of, yeah. of their lives. Uh, did he – they back off that that was actually his request. I mean, I wonder if, yeah, if this is how legit this is. But the whole idea of, of asking for a private jet for the rest of your life is uh, just so gangster uh, to me that pretty impressive if you could swing that. But don't you go in throwing that out there thinking, well, they're never going to give this yeah, to and me. Yeah, maybe, oh, you still get uh, X number of hours or something. It would still be pretty awesome. Does that knock you out, though? Like if you go in and ask for a private jet, no matter who you are, do they just say, get out of here, get lost, no. kid? No. No. Goes back to uh, the story Daniel Baldwin tells about uh, Frazier, Kelsey Grammer having the helicopter pad built, and I mean, if you've got the the upper hand in these arguments, and you can ask for the moon, you may as well. But to be paid close to a million a week, plus a private jet the rest of your life, that would be pretty good. So here's and then my- you wonder why somebody. Because people say, hey, why, why doesn't Roger Goodell just walk away from this job? Well, why the heck do you think he's not going to walk away? Who would walk away from this? <laughs> you know, what I wonder is a jet is expensive. What, a few million, a few million dollars? Yeah. The fuel to... Yeah, the upkeep. It, it has got to be even millions more. Well, what well you- and the crew. And, the, you know, you got to keep them uh, in service and around. Probably you know. can't rent a pilot. You have to... I watched the uh, story on how Scotty Pippen went broke, and he bought a plane that didn't even run, and it cost him a million dollars a month to keep that thing. Yeah, that's so. incredible. So, If you saw the Bills game yesterday, you may have seen this. A naked man rushed the field during the fourth quarter of the Bills-Saints game and ran from security for about 100 yards. He was eventually tackled and arrested. Let me tell you this. I was at the Bills game yesterday. Oh. I Lucky. did not see that because when was it? Fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. I was not at the fourth quarter of the Bills game <laughs> yesterday. Uh, that was not a competitive game. They couldn't stop you or me in a gold and black uh, jersey. The Saints ran over them for uh, six touchdowns. The Bills were hapless yesterday, so we enjoyed the tailgate. We enjoyed the first half and change. Left at the end of the third quarter. I heard a very good idea how to I did hear this. that on the on the radio, though. That uh, I, We were listening to the radio on the way home and heard the little streaker deal. I heard, I heard a great way to prevent this. If you're going to do that, you're going on a sex offender list. Yeah. No, it's, you, I mean, that's what it's akin to. If yeah. you're going, I mean, I saw the picture of the dude afterward, and they had wrapped him up, but he obviously was literally streaking, right? He's yeah. run, He was running out there naked. I, I just cannot imagine at what point in your life that feels like the right thing to do. So, you know, like the the private jet at $49 million is okay to ask for. At what point with your friends in the tailgate, how much money is... <laughs> How much money is getting you to run on the field? Naked? Unlimited. Well, the tailgating is quite a scene. There's so much. Thursday, the Orange Women take on Maryland Eastern Shore. Orange pregame starts at 6:45 on the Pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is in the booth with Matt Park. There 
final kneel down when the clock winds. And the San Francisco 49ers pick up their first win of the season as they defeat the Giants. The final score, the San Francisco 49ers 31, the New York Giants 21. Poor Bob Papa, just feel for him. It is hard to have any life in these uh, Giants games and broadcasts. They are uh, just not equipped to win these games, it seems like, and are getting blasted. A team that everybody thought was maybe a Super Bowl contender and certainly at the top of the division are right there in the race, coming off double-digit wins last year, and they just haven't been competitive. Can I tell you something? That's, I probably shouldn't say this on the air. Can I tell you something that's really embarrassing, Polly? Sure. So two weeks ago, I'm driving home listening to the game, and I love listening to Bob Papa. He does a great job, and I um, use him as an example to students about – uh, specific things that he does that I think are worth emulating in, in broadcasting. But he is the opposite of, uh, say, a Kevin Harlan or somebody who's over the top with the energy in every play, right? He's a very kind of staid and uh, staccato kind of call and uh, everything's sort of matter of fact. So I get home and, I, <laughs> and I'm not – I'm, my excuse is I'm not feeling well and I'm distracted. And, and I go to text Brian Higgins, who's a Giants fan, that uh, – you know, Papa's out of it. So I, I texted um, Bob Papa, barely awake. Ten minutes later, I go, gee, I'm surprised Higgins didn't respond. I sent that to Bob Papa. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Which I then went to follow up with, hey, man, didn't didn't mean anything by it and love you and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> what a, a tough circumstance there in week after week. Did hear a couple of good ones here. Let's sneak these in back-to-back uh, game-winning field goals uh, with the Steelers and the Jaguars, both winning late. The snapper, Norton in the holder. Lambeau's kick partially deflected, and it still goes through. Lambeau against his former team, and the Jaguars. This one from 33 yards out for the game. And not much doubt about that. We're right down the middle as time expired. And the Pittsburgh Steelers looking for all the world like a beaten team through much of this game come back to win it. (laughs) Andrew Catalan on the call of the first one. Mm -hmm. Josh Lambeau for the Jaguars beating the Chargers. And then Greg Gumbel on the call is Chris Boswell. Four wins in a row for your Steelers, Polly, as the Steelers won in Indy. So outstanding work there. Good stuff. Back on the show tomorrow at 2 here uh, each day uh, through Thursday this week in the booth right here on ESPN Radio Syracuse.